Welcome to Hope Beyond the Badge, a podcast that brings awareness, inspiration, and conversation together for first responders, families, and others interested in mental well-being in first response. New episodes weekly with your hosts, Jay Bailey and Linda Kokoros. Jay is a father, a military veteran, worked in the fire service for 18 years, and carries a diagnosis of PTSD. Linda is a mom, a wife, a certified life coach for first responders, and a suicide loss survivor of a first responder. Let's talk about it. We started this podcast last April, and in eight short months, we've released 36 episodes. Every one of these episodes has had an impact on us, and we hope that they've had an impact on you, our listeners, as well. Our guests have included first responders sharing their stories, families talking about their experiences. Uh, We've had mental health providers on, uh, and we've brought in panels, brought together panels of suicide loss survivors, some that were coworkers, uh, family members, and children. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really been something. Every one of our episodes has had a message, and this one is no different. Today we're going to talk about um, many of those episodes, review some of the ones and some of the themes that have had an impact on Linda and myself. And um, we're going to talk about where we're at now and finally where we're going. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jay, I, I, you know, you, you mentioned in their families in some of the episodes um, – you know, that we've done, and yeah, there was families, there was modalities, there was first responders coming in and, and talking with us, and if I, if you don't mind, I, I want to touch a little bit on the families that we had in. Um, as a family member, you know, I connect, I connect with all the interviews, right, that we've done, and I've learned so much from, from all of them, but I want to talk a little bit about the families that I remember, um, you know, how brave um, those families were. Um, to come in and share their story um, because there's been a lot of struggle for those families, right? Mm. And um, and then a lot of learning. We had siblings come in, a panel of siblings yeah. um, come in and who all lost a first responder um, sibling and, and get to share sort of their side of the story. Um, I think that a lot of times I remember that having a huge impact on me um, because... A lot of siblings, especially um, when a first responder, you know, dies by suicide, it's either the spouse um, or the mom and dad, right? Um, would sort of all the attention would be brought mm-hmm. on them, and a lot of those siblings um, shared with us that time that they felt invisible. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. and that had a huge impact, I think, on me um, listening to them and giving them a voice mm-hmm. to be heard. To let them know that we see them, yep. and um, and to get their voice, how they feel, and and they are important also. Um, I also remember, you know, the Bats and the Bergens um, coming in, parents of losing the first responders, and um, you know, I remember the Bergens sharing with us, um, you know, that 
they had no idea mm-hmm. that anything about PTSD. They didn't even know what that meant right. um, when they lost a daughter. And, um, you know, that I remember mom um, saying, Lorena saying, you know, we didn't know anything about that. We just we just knew that our daughter was a kick-ass firefighter. Yeah. And, um, and we were so proud of her, right? And then, um, you know, the Betzes, you know, what they're doing now for to help first responders in honor of their son, David. Um, but there's just so much, you know, and then the wives, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the panel of wives coming in and talking with us on that interview. Jesus, I mean. So it, powerful. It was so powerful. They got to, we got to hear, you know, what they were left with mm. um, after the loss of their their spouse, yep. and um, you know where where their lives were left. Yeah, you know how they had to have a new identity of where they were going to go and how are they going to pick up their lives mm-hmm. um, after the loss of their their uh, first responder. And, uh, you know, some of them shared, you know, medical insurance, health insurance was gone, taken away from them if their husband was, um, carried the insurance, right, health insurance, that the health insurance was gone and a very different um, um, reaction from departments supporting the spouse after a loss of their husband, right? I mean, that was freaking, sorry, um, but that was, that was huge, right? That was... A, a huge impact um, on on all of that, like having the spouse, having parents in, and having siblings in. That was huge, huge on me. Not only that, because I I felt it myself as far as being a parent. Um, I mean, you get connected with other family members who have gone through the. Just all of a sudden, you don't feel alone anymore, right? You have, mm. even though we don't want to be part of that group that we you know we're part of. Um, Knowing that you're not alone was was a big impact for me. So they all definitely had, uh, yeah, that that was such a huge for me having them on, for sure. Um, was there anything that you, uh, on the interviews? I mean, the, all the interviews had obviously a message for me that I got from every one of them. Um, any of them that you want to share on? On? Uh, yeah, I'll I'll touch on a few. I mean, the whole process has has been so rewarding. It, it feels like a privilege to have the opportunity to speak to all these different mental health providers and, and the variety mm. of treatment methods that, yeah. that's out there from, you know, we've had people talk about EMDR, talk about mindfulness, yeah. all the way over to, to yoga for first responders and yep. equestrian therapy. Yeah. Um, so that, I feel like I learned something new um, mm. every episode, you know, like we've been very lucky to, to have um, – have some professionals in here that, that do good work and, and help first responders, you know, move from, from struggle to wellness and to hear uh, the different way that each one of them approaches that is, is just, it's been incredibly interesting for, for me and, and I hope for the listeners as well. Yeah. Um, the other thing that really had an impact on me is, is hearing chiefs. We, we were very lucky to have a couple couple of chiefs come on and and we have another one lined up uh for a future interview and i i think it's so important for the authority having jurisdiction 
to be supportive in this space, to be supportive of trauma recovery for, for the men and women that they have authority over in first response. Um, so it was just really refreshing for me to, um, to have those conversations and, and to see that some of these supervisors are beginning to come to an understanding that, uh, that there's a better way. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I totally agree with you on that. There, they, We've had so many great modalities in there. Um, wow. When I think about, like, Julie Lovely, right? Um, mm. Wild Heart Horses for Heroes. Yeah. Um, do you remember? Do you remember us having her in for the interview, but even before the interview? Yeah, going out to the farm. Yeah, do you want to chime in on that? Like, what, what was that like for you? Do you what do you remember? Well, <clears throat> I remember... Uh, I remember going out to the farm and being super impressed with how knowledgeable she was yeah. right, right off the bat. Uh, yeah. That was, I, I was very, very impressed with, with her level of knowledge. And then the description of how traumatized first responders and, and veterans would come out and interact uh, with the horses and her ability to explain very complex things in, in very simple terms um, I wanted, I wanted to take part in that, right? Me I was too. Like, when, <laughs> Me too. When do you have an opening, and and can I get in? Because yes. I, I wanna, I wanna spend a whole day doing this and and be a participant. So I was, I was really excited about that. What was your takeaway from that day? Um, I just remember um going and I, I had never heard of equine right therapy mm-hmm. um before, um and especially equine for first responders. So, um. But yeah, I I know how that interaction and how calming a horse can be, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no judgment because they're just interacting with you from where you are now, right? And um, but when I met Julie herself, and then we got to meet the horses, right? Mm-hmm. And and the horses on the farm, and it was beautiful, right? Yeah. Um, beautiful small little farm. Um, they're non for profit. So, Wild Heart Horses for Heroes is the name of 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 the organization, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Julie Lovely is the one that runs it. She's the founder of Wild Heart Horses for Heroes. And, oh, my God. Um, I just remember feeling, I want to be this girl's friend. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I've said that to you many times before. Yeah, I yeah. could hang out with this woman yeah. because she just has such a calming presence about yeah. her. Extremely knowledgeable mm-hmm. i would say an expertise in her profession yeah and what she does what she offers um and um and i felt that from her energy that from that moment she started talking i mean i was sort of standing there most of the time with my mouth open going yeah 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 right it was a really great feeling and then and that was just started going to the farm to meet her and to talk about a possibility of her coming for an interview, right? Yeah. And then she said, "Yeah, she agreed. Yes, I will come on, and uh, and talk on you know on an interview because we wanted so much for the our listeners to be able to hear what she has to offer. Very close to home, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, on the on the south shore of of Boston, and it was very very close to home, and we were very excited that that was some you know first responders or veterans would be able to visit there, but. 
And then even more so then when we got to talk to her in her interview. I mean, it was, she just blows me away. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I still do. If Julie is going to listen to this. I still do want to participate in that program. So when everyone comes or a, a one day retreat, I'm in there. I'm signing up right away, and I'm sure Jay Jay is smiling across the way from me. So I know he will want to do it too. I definitely do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely wonderful program. Just to experience that, right? Mm. Um, but definitely Julie Lovely was one that had a like a modality, right? Yes. That um should definitely I feel um should be I wouldn't say taken advantage of right take advantage of this modality being offered um to you yeah, as first yeah. responders um and it's so close and it's a non-profit right these this program is offered free right to first responders and veterans right but I think so yeah gets cleared up it gets cleared up very quickly yep what else what else did you um like what would you think if 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 Department heads, mm. let's say, supervisors, administrators mm. in departments. We did yoga, right? We talked about yoga. We talked about mindfulness coaching, um, yoga for first responders. We had Shay Melendike on. Um, these type of modalities, right, for first responders, if departments embrace the, this, these are something that can help a first responder. Mm. Um, and Let's support it. Let's support this for wellness, right? Make it part of, make it part of a normal. Not we're going to introduce this one-off program, right? But make it part of of the culture. Yes. Um, how would you feel that like first responders would benefit from it? Well, I I don't even I think it's like trying to um you know predict where the internet would take us when that was when that was first coming around. Like I mm. I think it's almost uh, unpredictable because. It, to to predict the benefits of understanding, like all these different treatment methods and modalities we just talked about, right? Yeah. One of the things we said we were very impressed with Julie was I expected to go out and, and be on a farm and that was going to be peaceful and that was going to be the benefit. Then she starts talking about the brain, right? And yeah. all of this stuff comes back to that. All of this stuff comes back to uh, the mental and emotional state of people who have made the decision to serve their communities selflessly and participate in the trauma of those communities on a regular basis. And that has an impact on the nervous system and, mm. and the parasympathetic and all, and all of that. So um, each one of these modalities uh, brings peace to the person that participates in them. And if you take people who are going 100 miles an hour and they're all amped up and they're entire focus is uh, is in the direction of go, 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 and you calm them down and you bring that whole culture uh, back to a baseline of, of inner peace. How do you predict uh, what the outcome of that will be? I, I, I don't think that you can, but I think we're going to find out. Mm. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like, how do you mean, how are we going to... We're going to find out well, well because when people more people interact with it. Well, yeah, I th I think that the change is beginning to occur, and and I hope that um, I hope that I'm right about that, right? I hope it's not just because that's where my focus is. I hope that it is the cultural shift that that I think that we see coming. 
But if you look at, at 20 years ago in first response, it absolutely was not okay to talk about mental health at all. Yeah. Um, you know, and we've discussed that on, on, on this program a lot yeah. too, for reasons that, that make sense. There was no there there. There was no next. It, it, it you know, would be like a, a waitress saying, I, I have a hard time carrying trays. You know, it's yeah. like this is the job. Um, and now we're at a point where there's beginning to, we're starting to see some recognition. That's why I thought it was so important that, that the chiefs were on, right? Uh, yeah. Authority yeah. recognizing it. But we're beginning to see some recognition uh, that not only is does mental health matter, does trauma have an impact on the human condition, but there's a multitude of benefits to people who are having traumatic reactions going and seeking mental health treatment rather than just going away. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're at a point uh, in that conversation where change is, is beginning to occur. Uh, so where that takes us, if it eventually takes us to a point where uh, mental health injuries are treated on par with physical injuries, which I believe that, that they should be, um, yeah. you know, then we'll begin to maybe have the ability to stop measuring those benefits. And when I say, like, I don't think you can predict them, like, I think they'll be financial, right? When somebody starts suffering, it comes out in ways that don't show up on, on the spreadsheet. Uh, somebody has a DUI, somebody has some other problem like that. Somebody yeah. has, you know, they're bringing rage into the workplace. Whatever the symptoms are that show themselves, a lot of times... It, it the results what it looks like on the surface is is a disciplinary issue when when if we get to a point where somebody goes whoa, whoa we got this man or this woman who has been an exemplary uh, employee for fifteen years let's take a look at the incidents they've been to and now all of a sudden they're showing up late for work mm. and they're forgetting this and forgetting that and they you know are, are not playing paying close attention to their equipment they're not checking their stuff right and you know now so slowly. Uh, what happened to them? Yeah, what happened, right? And, what happened? And when somebody is physically injured, like if somebody showed up because they needed the money and couldn't take time off work with a broken leg, what would the culture do? It would be like, whoa, whoa, I know that you got a trip to Disney planned and you're trying to work overtime, but you absolutely cannot get on the fire truck right now. You're a hazard yeah. to everybody here. Yeah. And uh, we're not mad at you, but you have to get healthy and well. So... You're going to the doctor. When we get to a point where when somebody begins to show symptoms that they're suffering from trauma, that that is recognized <clears throat> and that person is is referred out to help and to treatment appropriately, and they'll have a long career uh, that is continuously rewarding. Mm. And uh, without, from the, the other side of it, <clears throat> from the administration side, they won't, like... It's a money saver. That dealing with the with the disciplinary route and, and treating symptoms like that is is pretty costly, you yeah. know, as opposed to having a, a streamlined to mental health treatment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you know, when we get back into talking about modalities, um, you know, and and departments supporting those type of modalities, send them out to take part in these type of things. Mm -hmm. See how well that first responder comes back well. Yeah. More interacting, participating in their life, checking those trucks better, right? Mm -hmm. Going out on those calls much better, much more alert, much more present. And then also for the first responder themselves, um, you know, if you're, if you're going to be listening, um, 
man, to be able to interact with, I mean, there's nothing but a better outcome, I feel, um, from all of those modalities, the yoga for first responders, breathing, you know, that mindfulness, um, you know, talking about breath work and hiking and being mindful and present. And then also the equine that you talked about, like with Julie Lovely. I mean, there's just, for a first responder to have um, an interaction with their own nervous system, mm. right? Yeah, like I said that, yes. Yeah, like a, just an interaction with their own <coughs> nervous system and know where they are, yeah. right? I, if I'm having an anxious day, I know what to do. Mm. Um, when they go through those and be able to calm themselves down, even if they are having some sort of struggle. I mean, guess what? You, you see those things every day. You're going to have some off days, right, and, and good days. And um, and when you learn how to be able to do that, have those tools in your tool belt right. um, to be able to cope with those off days, Um that's for betterment for everybody, for, for the first responder, for the first responder family, and also for the departments. Right. Oh, a- yeah. And the community that is, they serve. So it's a better all round. And that's why I'm so proud um, of, I'm honored to have those, you know, modalities in an interview with them. I mean, we had such a Me really too. good um, round of, of folks. So um, if I was to ask you, I mean, think about now, right, we're after, we're 36 episodes in, and I'm very proud of mm. of us, like, putting those there, right, out there to the public. I, why why we started yeah. was for that reason, and what you yeah. just talked about, making it easier for a first responder to be able to talk with their peers, um, you know, if they are struggling or going through some form of struggling, and you know, we know um, that a lot of first responders, what made me want to do this podcast um, is to, a lot of first responders don't go and seek help on, until they have to. Right. And um, and unfortunately that sort of ends up being like a crisis situation where they need to go and get help and um, and be away for a while maybe. I, I don't know. But mm-hmm. man, if, if, if those, do, you know, I think the whole point of it for me is to make it easier for first responders and bring on all of these, you know, folks and modalities um, that we brought in was to make it easier for them to be able to pick up the phone yeah, and to say, you know, or, or maybe they hear themselves or s- hear something in, in the first responder sharing their story of struggle and then to, you know, to gaining strength and wellness again yep. that they might start to see some of themselves or hear some of themselves in, in a first responder who had shared their own stories mm-hmm. and, and gained the courage to to be able to seek some help rather than letting it go on and on, um, you know, to be some sort of a crisis situation. Right. Um, have, you, have you personally gained something from the interviews that we've done? Like, have you, do you feel like you've grown from it like from then to now yes i have um i've i've learned a lot i meant it when i said i learned something from from every episode for sure um and there really has been been quite a lot of of variety and sometimes it's learning something technical from someone that comes on that's that's a mental health provider i might learn something new um about how people react to trauma how they recover from trauma how they how they 
cope in, in ways that are healthy and unhealthy. And uh, I love that. Like, I love yeah. learning about that stuff. And, and yeah. then the other lessons that, that I've learned are, are more difficult to point out. It's more of an essence, right? Like, when, when there's family members on here that have lost someone that they loved or coworkers that lost someone, uh, to listen to them speak mm. from their heart about that experience, mm. um, yeah, that's an essence, and and there's a lot of lessons in that for anybody that 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 sits and and listens openly to that. Uh, and the same is, is true for many of these first responders, right? Like like we had uh, Billy and, and Freddie on here from Braintree. Oh yeah, and uh, you know to listen listen to them speak about their experiences, or or Raul and in the Pulse nightclub. You know, I was running a group for veterans today, and and I kind of referenced that to something that he said to explain something mm-hmm. <clears throat> about, um, you know, the way that that certain things can can uh, act as triggers and, and pull us back, right? Remember he was talking about all the cell phones being on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I use that as a reference, and for our listeners that, that maybe mm. have or haven't heard that episode, it was after the shooting incident, um, you know, everybody's cell phones started going off. And then afterwards you can see how, you're in an environment a, a ma- right after a mass shooting, and you see yeah. something like that uh, amidst, uh, you know, that type of chaos and, and violence and loss. And then, I mean, how often do you see a cell phone screen light up all the time, right? So that's, it's, it's pretty disruptive in, in a clear way to explain something that sometimes is a lot more subtle, right? Sometimes people are getting triggered, and they don't even know why. You have to meditate and calm down and chill your nervous system out in order, or at least relax your nervous system in in order to discover the things that that are disruptive that are yeah. causing you to to um, react in certain ways and and respond in others. So I have learned a lot, ma'am. Have you? Uh, do you think that you've learned anything? Yeah, I have. I've learned so much. Um, but I want to go back on that. I'm okay. Before yeah, you throw ahead. that question over to me. Okay. Um, I'm going to go back on that a little bit um, because I have learned a lot personally and just like you from every incident or, or every interview that we've done, um, I've learned so much um, from each and every one. I'm like a sponge. I'm taking everything in. Um, but I want to throw that back over to you. I mean, I know you've learned a lot, right, from each interview. But yourself, mm. yourself, so if you if you if you put yourself in that picture, right? And mm-hmm. I've learned a lot. But do you feel you have one of the questions, you know, at the beginning I said, do you feel that you have grown from it? Um, you know, your own healing journey. Have you grown from that? Um, these episodes from doing this podcast? Um, if you want to go into that a little bit. I've grown more in the last eight months than I did in my first eight months in this world. Um, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of growing. I, that, that's been my focus the whole time, and I've been in the perfect environment to do it, right? So um, each week we interview someone, and I'm able to reflect on what they've spoken about and how that applies to my own circumstances and mm-hmm. how I can use that to grow. So it's like kind of my focus at all times um so yeah i i feel um 
I feel a tremendous sense of balance and, and peace in, in my life. I'm very happy today, very, you know, very present. Um, and more so every day. Like I've been, I guess I'd say like for the last year or so, uh, I've been working on my relationship with myself. Yeah. And uh, I think that it's one of the most difficult things a person can do or challenging things um, to, to really develop an authentic relationship with themselves, to dig deep and find out who the hell am I? You know, when I get all the nonsense and everything else out of the way and because we can get so busy, you know, even without trauma, it's like, go to work, go to this, go to that, pick up the kids. Go to bed. Pay a bill, (laughs) yeah, yeah, go to bed. And we get so caught up that we either forget or never get to figuring out who the hell am I? And for this past year or so, that's been just about all I've been trying to figure out is, is, you know, uh, how dig, how deep can I dig within myself? How much can I learn about myself? How deep into my subconscious can I go? How much, uh, how well can I understand who I am? And, um, I understand more and more every day. Mm. Yeah. Can I chime in on that? Please do. Um, so what what Jay has just said was he, he's grown, right? Um, putting it in simple terms. But he went into a little bit more like having, you know, learning really authentically how, who am I? Um, who am I? Where do I fit in? Mm, um yeah who am i and um i mean we talked a little bit off air about other other folks like you know retiring as a first responder right and where do they fit in and where's their identity right and um so i love that you're sharing that with our listeners um you know where we were like this past year like eight months and, and how much you have grown and i can um you know test to that because you know I spend a lot of time doing these interviews with with this man across the table here mm-hmm. and um and I know how much you have grown and um and how proud I am of you so yeah. I just want that to be out there you um, be blushing over here Linda yeah 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 <laughs> so um so for me you know I asked that question to you you threw it over to me like have you grown have you learned something um but I, I, wa- I wanted to touch base on that. I didn't want that to flow past um, without asking you, you know, well, where have you come? And, yep. You know, how do you feel about where you, where you were then eight months ago to now in this past year? Um, yes, like you, I have learned so much about f- from these interviews. Um, I didn't realize, to be honest with you, doing this, my focus was to make it easier for first responders. How can I help a first responder make it easier for them to be able to talk about what they're going through? Mm. And and that was my main focus for sure, and still is. How can I make it easier for a first responder to be able to talk? Because I really, 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 really do, and I know we share the same passion. We really want them to make it normal to talk about what they're going through, right? Just like, hey, I broke my leg last week or I hurt my back or whatever it might be to talk about this stuff. 
that last call that I was on really hit me. Mm. And it started to set me on thinking about all other things. I don't know what's going on, but that really hit me. I would love that to be a norm. Yeah. And a lot of the first responders that we had in, um, talking, sharing with us about their stories, they shared with us, and many of them, we didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like Billy Cushion, um, Raul, you talked about Raul. We talked about Chris Fields um, out in um, the o- Oklahoma, Rice, yeah. Oklahoma City bombing. Um, you know, they all talked about their experience as a first responder, and we don't talk about it. Right. That's the way we were brought up in the culture yep. when we joined in our departments. And, um, you know, and then what I had, what had to give for them to go seek help. Right. What, what give, what, what, what give, they weren't able to hold it all together for very long. Right. Um, and you know, I think they all would agree if they were listening in, um, would be that, It's it's not a matter of if, you know, I'm going to experience some trauma um, experiences, right, from some critical incidents. Or as ready if I Ola shared, you know, it was, you know, a car crash that he, he re- was able to recall. But what he remembered was a hair slide on the middle yeah. of the road and, and a wailing mom or daughter in the driveway because she'd lost her dad yeah. they're all the things that were playing back in his mind mm. um so it might not be the critical incident itself but it's all the other things that they get flashbacks on um and something might trigger it so you know these things need to be talked about as a normal and and that's what i sort of started off wanting to do how can we make this normal and i and i really really still feel very strongly about that but i've learned so much Mm. I've learned so much personally uh, myself. I remember, you know, I think eight months ago when we started that and, you know, we would have people in the studio and interviewing them and, and I remember choking up um, a couple of times and, oh my God, this is so hard. Like feeling their sadness or their hurt or their struggle that they were going through and and I still feel it. Yeah. But, I'm not choking up anymore. And um, so I feel I've everyone, everyone, and I mean that with my heart, every one of those interviews that we've done, I have had some healing and growth Yeah, personally. And um, so not only have they been helpful for first responders to be able to get their story out there, right? And um and the different resources out there, but for me, I've I've definitely gained some healing, um, from a knowledge. I mean, the things I learn, you know, from those resources that we brought in, right? And even the police chiefs and how, and fire chiefs and how the departments are run and what they have to do. It's, you know, a lot of us citizens. I'm not a first responder, so, you know civilian right outside of that culture we don't know what goes on right mm-hmm. and and what they have to do after truck and we don't know how they struggle and 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 that's also one thing that we wanted to bring out is bring that light out to educate the community 
about what a first responder goes through so we can support you yeah. um, and make it easier for you and have more empathy and compassion for our first responders also. Um, not only because, you know, we lost Alex five years ago, um, but man, in hindsight, if I knew then what I know now, mm. you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be having this conversation. Um, yeah. You know, as a family member, I think that if I if I was given the resource to like saying this is what your first responder could be going through, um, or our family were were given that information, like like a debriefing beforehand, yep. um, a prep, um, I think that we all of us as families would have been better equipped yeah. to be able to support our our first responder, to be able to interact with them maybe a little bit differently, and then also to make it easier for them when they come home to be able to talk about some of that stuff um, so that a lot of those lives that have been lost um, maybe wouldn't be or maybe some of them wouldn't be. And um, But I think that, um, wow, you know, so I think that, you know, what we've gained, yeah. you know, where we came from eight months ago starting the podcast, um, even to five years ago, I wasn't having these conversations five years ago. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and I it, five years ago, there wouldn't have been maybe first responders coming out talking about it or chiefs coming in and talking about it right. the way they are with us. So um, so grateful for all of those interviews and for everybody that's been so open to come in and, and really, really supporting the podcast that we're doing. And, you know, so going from then to what we've learned now, where are we going what we do next, Jay? Yeah, so <clears throat> you mentioned like why we started the podcast a few minutes ago, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and that was, uh, we wanted to see the conversation around mental health and first response change in, in a way uh, that that was helpful. Yeah, uh, we wanted to we wanted to see it approached differently. We wanted to see first responders able to overcome the stigma. We talk so much about that and be able to yeah you know, access the resources that are available. Um, and you know, you just, you just touched on, on your own experience, right. And and the things that, you know, what could have been different going through that experience. So we started wanting to see the conversation change. And I think through this process, that's another thing that we've learned along the way through sharing our own experiences and listening to others, we've kind of identified a few specific ways that it could change. And, yeah. and I think that's one of them, right? I think, uh, you know, supporting families and having different resources available at different times throughout the experience of being a first responder. Mm. Um, that's that's one of those ways that, you know, we, we think there can be some improvement and uh, we intend to contribute to that. Yeah. Families... Yeah, that's a big, th- I, I just shared with you, you know, if I had known then what I know now, right, um, through preparing us as a family, um, you know, educating us like a debriefing or whatever, bringing us in and saying, this is what your first responder could see and this is what they could be going through. And, you know, if you 
point out some of those red flags to us yeah. so that we can be aware yep. and watch out for them and, and not be scared to approach uh, a first responder about seeking help right at home. Um, you know, families, dude, you know, sorry, I'm saying dude, um, but that's okay. I can call him dude. Um, yes, <laughs> families, families are a huge part of this first responder career. Yes. Whether they want to or not. That's right. Right. They're part of it. And, um, and I want to support those families too. Um, we want to be getting in and how can we help if that was something that was missing, that was missing. Yeah. Big time. Yep. And it's been missing from so many families for so long. And, um, Share with, share with them what we want to do. Well, we're going to do a few things. And yeah. one of the things that, that we have coming up is going to be a first responder family readiness workshop. Yeah. Um, where we have uh, networked with some of the mental health providers that, that are culturally competent for first responders yeah. and people with specific experience in helping families um, from the first responder culture and community. And we're bringing them together where we'll, we'll spend some time. They'll present, um, you know, they'll, they'll present their information and provide contact information to the family members and first responders that are in attendance that night. Yeah. So we'll start connecting uh, these people with the resources. And, and we chose the word readiness for the reasons that, that you just explained, right? Yeah. It was, it was based off your experience and, and that common experience that we heard through our interviews, I think. Every, so many interviews. Right. So, so many interviews. The word kept on coming up. Yeah. Topic kept coming up, families, right? Families, and I was like, yeah, like every time I heard it, my my ears would go mm, stand right. up, right? And yep. I'd be like, yes, right. It's this is absolutely true. Families need to be supported, yep. um, through all of it. Not not only when a first responder is gone, a loss to suicide, um, we want to help families now be able to to educate families beforehand to avoid that, right? right. We, we, don't want to, we don't want it to get there. And um, so what we've done is um, the Alec G. Kokoris Memorial Fund, we've been very fortunate to have a lot of support. And um, so, and with hope um, beyond the badge, um, we've been able to, um, our heads, put our heads together and say, how can we do this effectively? Yep. And um, so... What we've done is we've gained so many um, connections with resources and modalities in, in the, as you said, in the mental health field. And um, we're going to bring them all together um, for a family hope, family readiness workshop, as just as Jay said. And um, we hope all the first responders, when we get the, the flyer, we're in the process now of just putting this all together, right? Mm -hmm. Brainstorming, putting our heads together and, um, you know, what we want to provide. And um, we've already made connections with all the resources, so they're all on board, all agree this is missing yep, and this is needed. Yeah. And um, so with their blessings, we're going ahead with it. That's right. And um, so we're going to have a family night 
and um, a readiness workshop night. And uh, we're going to provide families with an opportunity, connecting families to the resources. Yeah. Right there and then, putting a name to that phone number that you could possibly have in your pocket or your wallet to call in the time of need. And um, and that makes this sort of, that takes the stress. I mean, that takes the stress out of it. That, t- that would take the anxiety away from it. That would make it so much easier for you to have that connection and be empowered to use that phone number, whichever one that you might need. And uh, so we're going to provide that. And uh, we have a our first family readiness workshop um can i add one more thing about the the um about the family readiness workshop before we go to the next thing yeah i wasn't going to the next thing yeah yeah yeah. go ahead no you go ahead um well i was just thinking not only did we keep hearing the name family but we kept hearing the same experience from family members right like uh just to give one example there was a spouse that we spoke to and some of these conversations take place off the air so i'm not sure if this was on the podcast or not but we spoke to a spouse who was like, I had no idea. I thought this was what his personality had become. Yes. To now meet, right, in that context, Yes. she had just been connected with other spouses, right, yeah. however that occurred. And, uh, and she, it was like her reaction was was so profound it was I like, thought I was the only one going through this yeah this was, that was his personality yeah he just <laughs> yeah like I yeah. got duped yes I, you know and and really what that is 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 that is the result of uh cumulative trauma where someone slowly changes over time as a result of their traumatic reactions yeah um and we hope to see more family members gain a better understanding of that before they have the experience. Yeah. So when they start seeing their spouse, their loved one behaving differently, rather than making assumptions or just trying to figure it out, you'll know clearly what, what you're looking at, right? Mm. And and have the, the tools and resources and skills to be able to respond to that uh, in a way that's likely to be more effective. Because if you don't know what you're looking at, it just seems like, this person is miserable. What is going on? Yeah, well, you're saying it nicely because I was just going to say this person is an asshole. Well, that's like, what sorry, they look like yeah, right, yeah. sorry, but that's that sort of reality, right? Yes, As like, um, you know, wow, he's coming home. He's like so. I'm just using he right as an example. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's coming home and he's just being a jerk. Yeah. Um, yeah. he's just being a right ass, picking an argument with me, whatever it might be. I can't open my mouth and he's jumping down my neck, yeah. or whatever it might be. I'm just using some of those examples of what that spouse used in her interview. Yeah. And um, I remember that because I remember I connected with that interview yeah. uh, very, very much so um, because, wow, yes, she really thought she they, they she was the only one and that was his personality. And, um, yeah. She was so relieved. She was so relieved to know that there was other people out there that were going through the same thing that, she was, was, that she was going through. Yeah, and there was a reason. And there was a reason. And then we can get help for it. Yeah. And he can and he can start healing. Yes. And, and, and we can start healing. Everybody right, right. The, the family, family can start healing. Together. The yeah, family yeah. suffers together. And Absolutely. Together. Oh my God, I'm so glad you brought that up, Jay. Yeah. 
Um, so, yeah, so what we're going to do is we're going to invite first responder families, whether you're a spouse, whether you're a sibling, whether you're a parent, um, and first responders. We encourage the first responders to come also. Um, but we're going to invite those uh, families with information um, and and then have the experts speak, right? right? Uh, they're all going to have tables there set up that night. They're all going to have all their information provided. They're all going to speak on behalf of their organization and resources that they... Uh, we're going to have trauma therapists there for first responders, all, as you said, culturally competent, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and then they're all going to get to speak. So you're going to hear what they have to offer, how they're going to be able to help the first responders and families, right? And then, um, and then you're going to have an opportunity to be able to visit those tables also if you choose to. But what we're going to do, hope you on the badge on the LGK Memorial Fund, we're going to provide a folder for each family that's coming at night. And we're going to have all those resources in that packet for you. Yep. And lots of love in information in there also. For you to take home, so maybe you're not ready or you don't need that folder right now. Yep. But there will be some day that you might need to pop in there and, and open that up. And you know what you're going to remember when you come that night, that there's there's... You met those people. You saw those faces. Mm-hmm. It's not intimidating. They're just like me and you. Yep. And and you're going to be able to pick up easier. It's going to make it easier for you to be able to pick up that phone to make a call and say, I need help. My family needs help. That's right. Help us. And uh, and they're going to be able to help you or guide you to the resources that's that's needed for you um, to suit your needs. So... We're going to do that, and that's going to be March 9th, right, Jay? Yes, ma'am. March, March 9th, 9th is uh, going to be, and um, we're going to put a flyer out there, you know, so people will probably call us or email us and say, when's that going to be, when's that going to be? We're going to, we're in the process, as I said earlier on, we're going to put a, a brochure together with all those resources on there. They're all going to be attending that night, and um, we're going to put a, a flyer together and approach all departments um, all around, we're going to email them, we're going to knock on the doors, we're going to meet with them, we're going to tell them, you know, share this with the families, get them there. But also we're putting this information out here to you um, so that you get to listen to it too. And if you know a first responder, share this information with them um, yeah. and get it out there uh, to the family. It's going to be March 9th. We will we will definitely put it out on social media, on our social media page, uh, which is on Facebook at Hope Beyond the Badge. And uh, on Facebook and, um, you know, this podcast goes out on Spotify, all the all the podcast outlets. Right, Jay? Um, he, he's the techie, so he knows all about where that goes out on me. Um, I just start to listen to it and talk like I, like I do. But, um, yeah, it's going to get out there and it's going to be a wonderful night and a wonderful experience. And then um, following that, and I wasn't going to talk about it earlier on, but following that, what's going to lead into that is we're also... Um, Jay is going to be leading a first responder support group down here on the South Shore. Yes, ma'am. And um, do you want to talk a little bit on that or what you hope to see? Well, yeah, um, I, I hope to see I hope to see first responders at, at, at both of those events at, at the, the family readiness night and at the support groups. I think um, if you're a first responder who's not struggling, it's just as important to be there and get this information as it is if you're a first responder who is. Uh, you might take a promotional exam some at some point. You might mm. have coworkers that you recognize uh, are struggling, et cetera. 
and the same is true about um, about the support group. Anybody in first response, you want to at least know that it's there and and uh, and when it's taking place and how to reach out to us to to find out when and and where it is, so that when the time comes, because nobody's going to go through a career even if they avoid needing help, right? When you when your duty is to interact with trauma, there will be a reaction. Some people are, you know, we all have different ways that we cope, right? So it's not predetermined that you'll need resources at some point, but you will not go through your career without being around someone that needs help at yeah. some point. Yeah. And the question that you have to ask yourself if you work in first response is, is it your duty to know how to get a coworker, a subordinate, a supervisor, whoever needs it, mm. in touch with resources that can help them through their own time of struggle. Is it your duty to know about that? Yeah. Because I think it is. I think it's a, a duty on the same level of knowing where the defibrillator is. Um, you know, when, when that time comes up, uh, you want to be competent. You want to be resourceful. And you want to know where those, you know, how to connect a person to those resource resources. So we're going to be running a, a first responder support group, and uh, there's more details to come on on the time of that. You can call one of the hope lines if you want to find out about it uh, at this point. Yeah. But basically, um, if anybody's familiar with support group settings, it's going to be similar. We're going to be talking about recognizing symptoms. We're like peer support, right? Yeah, peer support, mm-hmm. um, recognizing symptoms, different coping uh, mechanisms, strategies, and, uh, and sharing and, and sharing and talking, how to develop right? resiliency. And we're going to do that by sharing our own experiences. Yeah, um, which is, I mean, it's so valuable. And I don't want to step back in the podcast, but when you asked about growth, that was something I thought of afterwards. Like. I grew so much by listening to other people's stories and reflecting yeah. on my own. Like every time somebody talks about something, I'll think about a, a call that I was on, you know, it'd be like, oh man, that was, you know, I had something similar, yes. <laughs> um, you know, and, 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 uh, but it's a very, it's been a very healthy way to process that, that stuff for me. And that's a natural process. Uh, through sharing you come to understand just like that woman that we just talked about that you're not alone yeah right because we go on these calls and we come back and nobody says anything and you're like am i the only one like a baby just died am i the only one feeling a little different right now Mm -hmm. um you know so when you sit down and and you know you discuss the way that uh that your nervous system reacted, even if you don't know that's what's going on. Yeah. But, but you discuss how you felt, what happened, what did you do afterwards, uh, how did you, what changed to your state of being did you experience, and you come to understand that somebody else had a similar experience, and there's bonding that takes place there, um, and there's healing that takes place there. So, yeah. Can, can I ask you a question on that? Yes, ma'am. How important is it? for this support group to um, start up and develop, especially, you know, in this area, right? How important is it to you? Um, oh, oh. I threw that at me. He wasn't expecting that. Well, but no, I, 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 don't, I don't know that I have the words. So I first reached out for help myself in 2018. Oh, that was the first time I, I was 
desperate enough to chase it, right? And um, and and from very early on in that process, uh, I I really um, thought it was very important for something like that to start up around here on the South Shore because it just didn't it, it didn't exist. So um, it's something that that I've been thinking about and and hoping for 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 years. Not necessarily that I would start it up, but just that it would exist because I know that feeling of uh, of of desperation, isolation, pain, suffering, and if somebody's in that state and they're going through that, I, I want them to have a place to go mm. because I know that pain. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's very important to me, but it's more like uh, a relief to me. I think it's important to the culture. Yeah, yeah. And when you were talking just that, and you know, glad that you answered it that way. Like you put yourself in, in, in that per as that person who is seeking help, right? Um, but it sort of brings me back to an interview that we did, um, not so long ago in October, um, when we we did sort of a couple of Alex's buddies wanted yeah. to do a tribute interview to him, yep. and um. It started off that way, um, as a, an interview, right? And they were sharing uh, tribute. It was a tribute, right? So they were sharing some wonderful, fun stories of what Alex was like to work with, yeah, right. And um, stuff that I, I, I think I'll go back and continue to listen to that interview constantly, all the time. Like hearing them share sto- funny stories of uh, he was a very funny guy, right? So he he got in and he would have fun and do pranks he was a big prankster right so but then very quickly that interview um turned into these guys sharing their own struggles because i think a lot of them for the first time um that evening yep um realized um because i i feel that i had addressed it or said to them you you know I'm a loss, suicide loss survivor, but you are too. Mm-hmm. And I want to know how you're doing. Yeah. And um, that led into them sharing in a group, there was five of them, yep. right? And um, that sort of led them into sharing how they struggled after losing Alex yeah. personally, each one of them. And they were friends, right? And I remember... Just you sort of brought me back there to that interview when you were talking about you and 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 how peer support and a group, it, you know, is important for the culture, and it is. It's very very important, like extremely important for the culture, especially when we know talking about it, right, makes it normal. Yeah, and um, and so when we talk about it, or when they talked about it that night. And they, for the first time, some of them said, he's a friend of mine. And this is the first time I'm hearing this. And that he shared how he struggled so bad after the loss of Alex. And it took him a couple of years to go and seek help after the loss of him. And um, and that led to a, another guy sharing in in the same group, that five group. And So what I'm saying is, is that what started out as to be a tribute um, turned into 
somewhat like a peer support group yeah. for them because they felt safe yeah. to share. Yeah. They felt comfortable, secure and safe in the environment that they were in at that moment yep. for them to be able to share how they struggled. And I think I also know that you know one officer said, I didn't realize I was going to come here tonight share but i am not doing well yeah yeah and um and to see the support for him um that night from his peers right um was absolutely wonderful to witness it really was yeah and um so when you talked about that and and how it's important for the culture and i could feel that from you when you were saying that across the table from me i could feel it from you um it's not only words that he's saying, he's feeling it and he means it. Mm. So, um, and it took me back to, to that night, that interview with the first responders sharing their story and, and a tribute to Alex. And um, so if you haven't listened to it, go and have a listen to it and you'll hear how very sort of subtly just changed into sort of like a sort of peer support group um, with them all sharing and letting it out, letting it, yeah. <sighs> letting it, out and I could see some of the shoulders like dropping right really that could, night yeah. yeah and um so yeah peer support is, is very important a support group so Jay will be running a support group and if there's anyone if I can say I'm not being biased because I've gotten to know him over a couple of years and he's he's probably not even going to like make eye contact with me when I'm saying this but um I've gotten to know him over this past year I would say a year and um very well and I know there's a lot of very very competent um first responders and peer support groups out there and you're all doing amazing things but I don't know anyone better than sitting over the table and there in front of me and um who could support other first responders and um I'm very proud of you you know starting doing this and I know you'll be committed and I know what they will get um, is someone facilitating a, a group but also you know being able to take it open and, and make it a safe environment for them mm. to be able to start some healing themselves and um, so yeah I'm looking forward to that happening in this area um, so just keep tuned in and keep tuned into the the Facebook page especially and Hope Beyond the Badge and the AGK Memorial Fund. That's where we post a lot of our stuff, right? For for this, you know, for what we do. And um I mean that's our main source. And then we'll we'll um you know we'll also get it out in the podcast too. But um keep your keep your ears open for that because there'll be more to come on that when that is happening. Yes. And when that's gonna start up for sure. And then eventually you never know families spouses um i think that we could also use a um a first responder family support group um or spouse support group or a family support group eventually um yeah. if does if we feel there's a need for it so don't hesitate if you feel there is something um that you would like us to see us doing or or you know getting up and running but that's where we're leading in that direction we're doing the family readiness workshop we're going to provide resources to families um, and have those speakers make it easier for you to be able to reach out and then also um, with a first responder support group and then maybe maybe 
um, if there's a need for it, we'll, we will put on a first responder family, meaning for the spouses or the family separate, right, from the um, first responder group. Let them have their own space and then we'll have a sp- family support group, right? We're not forgetting about you. That's why we're doing the, the workshop, right? is uh, get those families involved and have a support group for you. Maybe your families are struggling and you can share support and each other and know that you're not alone just like that yeah. um, spouse that Jay was talking about earlier on. So, yeah, a lot happening, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot happening with the AGK Memorial Fund and um, a lot happening with um, with uh, Hope, with the Hope umbrella, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hope Absolutely. Network. What a great example that you gave with that podcast with Alex's friends, yeah. co-workers. Um, so if anybody is wondering about a group, right? If you're not familiar with what it is, go to Spotify or wherever you wherever you get your podcasts and listen to that episode. It's a good example, you know? And, yeah. and when you ask what it's like, like, that's what it's like. If, if a group of first responders, that's what it'll be. Get together, a little laughter, stuff like that. Starts out with some light banter. And, and then we talk about it, right? Like I can say managing symptoms, developing coping skills, and that's all true too, right? But yeah. really what happens, if you got something you want to get off your chest, we're going to provide an environment where you can come down and you can talk about it somewhere where the information will remain safe. Yes. Right there. You Confidential. Talk about it. Get it off your chest. And a lot happens right there. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to provide a safe space. Yeah. Get some stuff off your chest um, if you have to. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe you'll also be one to be able to provide support for another first responder when they hear your story. Yeah. And someone can relate with you, right? And um, and that's the... the healing be- begins. And the healing <laughs> begins, Jay. The healing begins for sure. Yeah, and um, And we're looking forward to all that. So that's where we were. We started off the, this interview tonight, right? We wanted to start to touch base with everybody about, you know, where we came from, where we were when we started this to what we've been doing and then what that has transpired into, like what we're doing next, where we're going yep. um, in the next couple of months. And we're very, very excited for the, the first quarter, right? January, February, March. Oh, I forgot to talk about the blankets. Can we talk about the blankets for a minute? Yes, please. Oh, Jeannie Macanini, how did I, <laughs> how the heck did I nearly forget? Sorry. Well, we've been sitting there chewing the shit. Yeah. <laughs> This Irish banter is making uh, fun of me because I have my own way of saying things. Never. And he is, he's making fun of me because I i have my own way of saying things. And he might say, what, what, what? Shooting the shit. Shooting, yeah. And I say, chew the shit. And he's like, no, Linda, no, we don't chew the shit. Just think about that for a minute. <laughs> so, no, I'm not chewing the shit. No, I'm not doing that. That's what he said to me. And I was like, I don't care what you say. I'm saying my own words. Um, so, anyway, um, but the the blankets, um, we started the AGK Memorial Fund with a purpose of to um, provide... Um, in memory of Alex, obviously, right? Um, the the memorial fund is named after him in a memory of him. Keep his memory alive. But the purpose was to help first responders. And yeah. um, a couple of years ago, when Alex passed away, um, that first year uh, coming into his anniversary, I was inviting some of those same guys that were on that interview yeah. over to our home, and um, you know, we were going to sort of. Mem- remember Alex together and um, I didn't want them just to come for some food and from drinks but I wanted also 
for us to maybe start some healing. And uh, it was just um, before COVID hit. Alex's birthday is, is on March 14th and I wanted to do it on his birthday. And, um, you know, two days later, there was a lot of talk going on um, about COVID and stuff like that. And um, so we... We um it was his birthday actually, yeah, in two thousand and twenty. It was March fourteenth and it was a lot of talk about COVID and possibility of everything closing down and and you know, I was just getting over some, you know, cancer treatment and George was my husband was sick at the time and I was like I, I think we should put it off for a couple of weeks of making this blanket and having this night, can we put it off? And they were like, yeah, we're we're not comfortable either coming over and, yeah. you know, you're not comfortable having people coming over to your home. So, and we put off the blanket making night and, uh, but that, that urge never left me um, to make that blanket and to form some sort of healing together. Um, um, so, but what happened was COVID, who knew we were going to be closed down for a couple of years, right? right. And uh, a couple of years later, hasn't left me but it has grown into something bigger and mm-hmm. um it the blanket now has a name it's called hope and um and hope came from um you know giving someone some hope and you know the four letters when you think about those in the four letters in hope um we came up with a you know well what does a first responder you know go through when they're starting some healing and um and and one was healing within like they have to start healing within themselves and um oh the letter o um was optimistic be optimistic for the future there is a future for you mm-hmm. and then p was um the power of positive self-talking yeah. right or thinking right positive thoughts and positive talking um to yourself and then e Embracing where you are now. And yep. um, a first responder can't heal from where they were before because you're no longer the same after going through trauma experiences and struggles with that. You're no longer the same. You have to grow and heal from where you are now. So embracing, E, in the hope is embracing where you are now and, and healing from there. And um, and accepting that, yeah, you, you do need a help and and I can I can start from here. I don't have to go back there to start healing because you're not going back there. You're going from where you are now. Yep. And um so the blanket over those 2 years the blanket developed a name. Mm-hmm. And um last March on, on Alex's birthday, March 14th, um we launched the AGK Memorial Fund. Um at my home with those first responders and many more. Mm-hmm. And um and we had some the new police chief in Abington, we had deputy chief from Braintree, we had the mayor um in Braintree there, we Jay was there, we had lots of first responders there, right? Mm-hmm. And different organizations. We had Plymouth County Suicide Coalition talk about mental health and how it's important um to be knowledgeable about that regarding that in, in first response. And um so anyway, I launched I launched the blanket then to them and that night and I made up a couple of blankets and how I wanted it and how I wanted to go out to first responders and um but basically we launched the fund was to um be able to make blankets for first responders and to get to, to organizations that help first responders 
That's right. And um, so we call it the Hope Blanket. It's going to get made in a, a made by the community that we're going to reach out to and um, have them help us make the blankets. The um, AGK Memorial Fund has been, you know, raising funds. Abington Police Department has donated money to the AGK Memorial Fund. We've done some fundraisers and you know, public have been coming in and donating to us. So we feel now we're ready to be able to sustain purchasing fabrics um, to make these um, blankets. And then the community, we're going to ask the community to come in and volunteer and help us make them. Yep. And then we're going to get them shipped up. We're very, very honoured and privileged to have on-site Academy be the recipient yes, um, of uh, these blankets. So every first responder who goes and attends a five-day program, mm-hmm. um, residential program, they're on site. Every one of them will receive a blanket um, for their own. And they're going to be able to use it while they're there. Yep. Um, and they're also going to take a home with them. In memory of their experience at Onsite Academy, and to be able to take those tools that they learned and some healing and be able to take that home with them and continue on their healing journey. It just starts there. Yeah. And uh, when they go home, that's when it starts. Yep. And and when the work starts for, for them to continue going. So they need a lot of encouragement and comfort through that all. So that blanket will be a lovely reminder um, of why you're doing this for you, for your family, for your yep. department, for your community, but mostly for you. And um, so they they we're going to do those blankets, and we're going to have blanket making nights. And the first blanket making night, we we just finished the flyer now, right, Jay? And yes, um, we're going to get it into print and get it out there to departments and reach out to um some community members. Some people have already volunteered, and um, we are going to need some some more volunteers in. But it'll be registration. Um, it's like give us your name, like email us, and let us know that you're going to be there. And um and we'll put you on that registration list so that we can thank you afterwards for joining us, and um but also that we we're not just bombarded with a lot of people there that night just walking in. We want to make sure you have enough people there to make those blankets that night, and that's Mar- January. That's January twentieth. So that's just um you know very very soon, in a couple of weeks time, and uh, we're going to get the flyer out to departments also so that they can support us and get them out. So maybe some support first responders, um. We'll want to also come up for responder families. will want to come and help us make those blankets that night. And uh, I'm very, 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 very excited about um, getting these blankets made and getting them up to Onsite Academy and oh, for first responder. It is so them. exciting. And we're definitely so honored to to have Onsite Academy be yeah. um, the recipient. So on this blanking, blanket making night if people listen to this and they want to volunteer do they need any experience do they need to be artsy craftsy or is this something that that we can teach them uh in the moment i can we can teach them in the moment we're going to teach them in the moment um all i need is two hands okay for them to tie knot, and we'll provide the scissors and it's a no sew um blanket that we're going to be making so they're not going to be sitting there with sewing machines that i have to teach them how to sew yep it's not that although i could um, but it's they're just going to be um, someone that can use the scissors. Yep. Um, they're going to be shown, and um, it'll be a couple of hours. It'll probably be from I think from five thirty to eight p.m. Maybe maybe two two and a half hours that night. And we're going to do a blanket making night every month. So if you don't have an opportunity 
to volunteer this time, you will have an opportunity because we're going to be shipping up monthly supplies to on-site, not weekly supplies, but monthly supplies to do on-site academy for a month. And then we'll be working on getting the next month made up and getting them shipped up again each month. So we're going to do monthly supplies. And so we're going to continue to do fundraising as we as we go forward and uh, continue to be able to, uh, you know, to support buying those materials for for the, to make those blankets and everything, all the proceeds go to the AGK Memorial Fund in supporting this and what we're doing. So um, no one is getting paid. It's all voluntary. That's right. Um, you know, even it, the, our trustee um, who is a bookkeeper, you know, that's our, our business. She's volunteered our services. The, you know, the lawyer that we, we use to... Um, um, do the set up the the five hundred one c um not for profit um he um gave his serious services for free um because they really support what we're doing mm. and uh, and they wanted to be involved in it and offer their services for free so everyone there's no one getting paid doing this every everything is voluntary and um you know we're going to get those thing blankets up to ah uh, been a, I mean. It's been five years in the making, right? Yeah, this blanket, yeah. so it's something that's very close to my heart. Mm. Um, but since we last launched the fund, it felt, felt the the age came up last year. It, it felt very real. Okay, we're getting this yeah. off the ground now. What's my next step? Right? Sure. What's our next steps to to actually getting these blankets making them over there? The fabric is purchased. We'll have scissors there. We'll have people there, and we'll even supply some refreshments if we have to. We'll bribe you to come and help <laughs> us. <laughs> So, oh, yeah, good very stuff. excited. All good stuff happening, right, for the future, Jay. And uh, lots more healing Yep. in the future. Lots more interviews. Oh, my God, there's so many more interviews going to come. And uh, we're going to continue to do what we're doing. And if you want to reach out to us, if you feel that you want to come on the podcast, if you're a first responder or someone that offers a, a resource or a modality for a first responder, or you're a chief, in the department, come on. We love chiefs coming on here and uh, sharing how they're supporting their men and women in the departments. And um, and it just might inspire others too. So, um, But if you're a chief, if you're a first responder, if you're a resource, please, or a family member who wants to share your story or your struggles or how you've healed and how you're able to cope, share it. That's how we start the healing process and make this normal is be, mm. by talking about it. All right? That is right. And if yeah. you are one of those people and you'd like to uh, see if you're a good fit to be interviewed on Hope Beyond the Badge, you can yeah. email linda at linda.hopebeyondthebadge at gmail.com yeah. or j.hopebeyondthebadge at gmail.com. Um, I think this has been another really good episode. I've grown. You've grown. Yeah. Hope is growing, and we hope our listeners are too. So yeah. thank you very much. Yeah, and we do also have some... Hope um, phone lines, right? Um, so Jay will um, put those phone numbers out at the end of this interview. Yeah, that's right. If you, if you would like to call one of the Hope lines, that'll you'll hear that in one minute uh, at the end of the summary. Yes, absolutely. In case you missed it, we have three upcoming events. We're very excited about all of them, and we hope to see some of you there. If you'd like to join us in making blankets for first responders who are going through a difficult time, 
Those events will take place on Saturday, January 20th and Saturday, February 24th at Sacred Heart Church in Weymouth from 5.30 to 8 p.m. These hope blankets will be a symbol of comfort to first responders as any one of them who attends a five-day residential program at Onsite Academy will receive one and be able to take it home with them. No experience is necessary. If you'd like to sign up to volunteer, please email Linda at lynda.hopebeyondthebadge at gmail.com. The third event is a first responder family readiness workshop, and that will also be held at Sacred Heart Church in Weymouth. That event takes place on March 9th. The purpose of this workshop is to connect family members and first responders to culturally competent mental health care providers so that families understand what resources are available. After all, family members are part of this career, whether they like it or not. So please join us on March 9th and let's get ready. For more information about any of these events, or if you're a first responder who's struggling currently, please call one of the Hope Lines and we can guide you to resources. Those numbers are 781-817-3357 or 617-657-9108. Till next time. Till next time.